From our local high schools to the pros, the Dallas Morning News has got North Texas sports covered, and it's more than just the scores. From all the off-season moves to in-season adjustments and maybe even postseason glory, the DMN has got the inside scoop on your favorite teams, players, and coaches. You can follow every goal, save, bucket, and touchdown as the Dallas Morning News delivers real local sports journalism from the press box and locker room straight to your inbox. As soon as the podcast is over, head to dallasnews.com sports to see what Brad Townsend, Callie Kaplan, and the rest of the DMN gang has for you there. Hello and welcome to Mavs Daily, where we're breaking down a question, event, news, or trend having to do with the Dallas Mavericks. This is a playoff edition. My name is Bobby Corella. I'm from Mavs Digital. Coming to you after Game 3, a rare Mavs Daily following a loss. Dallas falls to the Clippers 118-108 to at home. This is also a rare episode where I'm by myself. I think it's the first one in Mavs history where I'm by myself. And it's a race against the clock. Classic raced against time. The batteries in this audio recorder are running very, very low. So hopefully I'll be able to give at least 15 to 20 good minutes uh, or so-so minutes. Maybe just 10 so-so minutes. Um, can't ask for much more than that in most situations. But like I said, Dallas Falls 118-108 to 108 against the LA Clippers. This is going to kind of be a scatterbrained podcast. Um, losing my voice. It's 1230 in the morning. And I just made it home after the game. Um, of course, it started off incredibly. And I got to say, if you were at the game, well done. It was extremely loud in there. If you weren't at the game, but you're coming on Sunday, you have a lot to look forward to. And uh, if you aren't able to make either game, then, man, you got to get to a playoff game at some point. Because th- that atmosphere was just incredible. It was my first time being around that many people, um, period, in more than a year. It was my first time being at that building with that many people uh, since the Bobon game on March 11th, 2020. That was, of course, the last game where that many people were allowed at an NBA arena. Uh, frankly, it was it was last year, the Bobon game against Denver when Dallas won. Um, the previous high attendance this year, I saw Brad Townsend tweeted out, was like 4,600. And so... We quadrupled that tonight. There was more than 17,000 people in that place, and it's going to be just as crowded and just as loud, I'm sure, on Sunday. And it seemed to really fuel the Mavs early. Uh, you know, Dallas hit some tough shots, of course, but you know they just had way more energy. The Clippers looked kind of tight early on. Dallas stormed out to a 30-11 to lead, 30-11. to And that was before Kawhi Leonard even got a shot. Uh, he had zero FGA. And Dallas was ahead 30-11. to Really, everything in the world was going the Mavs' way. LA committed a couple turnovers, missed a couple shots. The Mavs were just knocking in threes from all over the court. Uh, Luka looked amazing. You know, KP made some shots. Maxi Kleba made some shots. Tim Hardaway Jr. made a couple shots. And, you know, it was, it was pretty awesome after about five and a half minutes. But then Kawhi finally started shooting. And he didn't really miss many. Uh, he made his first eight shots of the game. Paul George made 10 out of his first 12 shots of the game. And when those two guys get going like that, I mean, that's that's what? 8 for 8 plus 10 for 12. That is 18 for 20. Friends, that is 90%. 90%. Those two guys were incredible. Uh, they, were, they were truly in like, you know, we are not going to lose this effing game mode. And uh, that was really all they needed. You know, Luka checked out early in the first as he usually does. 
and um, you know Kawhi just went on a rampage. Paul George made some shots, and the next thing you know, the Clippers had scored 14 straight points to bring it to 30 to 25, and and the rest of the game really from that point on was very close either way until really the the, the final few minutes. LA was able to open up a double digit lead and and kind of nurse that one to the finish line, but it was a really close game. Um, up until, like I said, kind of in the fourth quarter, um, the Clippers to that point, you know, Paul George made a couple free throws to put LA up five, I think late in the third or early in the fourth. And that was their biggest lead of the entire series to that point through two and three quarters ish games. Um, you know, Dallas has really played from in front for this entire series and was playing from in front, um, you know, the first quarter, first quarter and a half tonight before LA was finally able to, to get in front. But that was really it. You know, there was five lead changes in this game, and most of them took place in the first two quarters. And, you know, it was just Dallas playing catch up really for the whole second half. And, you know, a lot of it was, you know, not being able to get any stops. That was that was kind of the issue tonight. You know, this game in many ways felt kind of like a a total inverse, uh, the complete opposite of game one. Um, you know, LA didn't get off to a huge starting game one or anything. In fact, the Mavs did, but it was very close. And in fact, LA was leading, um, you know, it was, it was kind of back and forth for a lot of the second half. But, you know, when push came to shove down the stretch, the Clippers just were not able to stop Dallas in game one or in game two, frankly, for that matter. But, um, you know, tonight the Mavs just weren't able to get enough stops. The Clippers shot 57.9% from the floor, 41.9% from three. 94.4% from the free throw line. At one point, LA was 60 from the floor, 44.4 from three, and 100% from the free throw line. So they missed a couple shots very late whenever the game was kind of in hand. And, you know, they had 24 assists, 44 made shots. A lot of it was isolation in the first half, and then the ball was moving a lot in the second half because Dallas started doubling Kawhi Leonard, especially uh, sending some extra attention Paul George's way, too. And the Clippers were able to to move the ball very well. You know, L.A. was running a lot of stuff with Rajon Rondo as either the the screener um, or as kind of the the, the first kickout guy in, in the event that Kawhi or Paul George did get doubled. And he was able to kind of pick the Mavs apart. He had eight assists. He was awesome. As much as it pains me to say, he was very, very good. And, uh, you know, L.A. was really able to exploit the, the left corner, basically right in front of the Mavs bench. For the entire fourth quarter, Marcus Morris, I think, hit three from there. Reggie Jackson hit one or two from there. And and that was that. You know, Dallas wasn't able to, to hit enough shots and, and hit enough free throws either. Uh, Lucas, seven of 13 from the free throw line and missed a lot of those in the fourth quarter. Dallas missed some threes in the fourth quarter that were that were open, good looks, and uh, that was that. So, uh, tough one all around. It's a very condensed game recap. I'm sure everybody remembers exactly what happened, um, but... You know, there's kind of two ways to look at this. One is if you want to be an optimist and say, okay, you know, L.A., Kawhi Leonard and Paul George shot a combined 24 for 35 from the field, which is about 70%. Um, they shot 12 for 12 from the free throw line, 17 of 18 as a team. They shot 41.9% from three, which is the best they've shot in this series and above what they averaged in the regular season when they were one of the best three-point shooting teams of all time. They shot 58% from the floor. That includes a whopping 23 for 33 in the paint, which is good for almost 70%. That is 69.7%. 
Uh, and then they were, let me do some quick math in my head. That is eight. That is eight for 12 in the mid range, including making seven of their first eight from the mid range. And again, about 40 to 45% in the mid range is right around league average. The best players shoot about 50%. Kawhi and Paul George were way better than 50% in the mid range tonight. So if you're the, if you're an eternal optimist, which I can't blame you, it's more fun to be optimistic than pessimistic. Then you're going to say, okay, well, the, what are the odds that LA is going to have a performance like that again? Uh, where Kawhi and Paul George are shooting 70%, Marcus Morris made 6 out of 9, Reggie Jackson 6 out of 12, Nick Batum 3 out of 5. Uh, you know, they were really firing on all cylinders outside of that first five minutes. You know, LA practically didn't miss a shot for the rest of the game. You know, they fell behind 30 to 11. From then on, they outscored the Mavs 107 to 78. So do you think that they can do that again? Uh, the answer is probably no. But if you're a pessimist or, you know, it's funny, like optimists usually describe themselves as optimists. Pessimists usually describe themselves as realists, uh, truth tellers. If you identify as one of those people, then you'll say, okay, you know, what are the odds that the Mavs are going to continue shooting 50% from three? Again, they shot better than 50% from three tonight. It was the first game all season, including regular season and playoffs, where the Mavs lost a game when they outshot their opponent from three. Um, they've done that all three games in this series. What are the odds they're going to keep shooting like this? Um, you know, Luca was sensational, but Tim Hardaway Jr. four for 14, Dorian Finney-Smith three for 10, KP three for 10. You know, if, if you're a, a pessimist, you'd say, well, the Clippers, you know, on paper have a better roster than the Mavs. So, you know, this is the first game where they kind of played to their levels. You know what I mean? Um, I would say that's wrong, you know. KP, Tim Hardaway Jr., both shooting 30%. Not going to happen again, probably. Um, but you would say, okay, you know, the Clippers kind of made some adjustments and, and, and identified some weak points in the Mavs' defense and, you know, were able to find their stroke, find their confidence. You know, we'll see. We'll see which one of those is true. You know, can Dallas bounce back or did the Clippers really figure something out? You know, I think the one thing that the Clippers really uncovered was, you know, if it's a Zubats and Pat Beverly are just not going to play in the series. Like I, I would not be surprised if Pat Bev is a DNP CD for the rest of the series. And if Zubats is, you know, maybe coming in when Luke is on the bench, you know, maybe he can give you 10, 15 minutes a night when Luke is not out there. But otherwise, like I think in game four, they go Morris at center with Kawhi, Paul George, Reggie Jackson, <clears throat> excuse me. And then either Nick Batum or Terrence Mann or Rondo. Uh, you know, Rondo tonight was plus 22. Terrence Mann was plus 18. Rondo played 26 minutes. Terrence Mann only played 19 minutes, and he was plus 18. And I feel like Mann was um, – he was a mixer-upper for sure. He came in the game. He plays a lot of energy. He's a really interesting player. But, um, you know, he he drew a flagrant foul on Willie Cauley-Stein. Where I'm not even sure Cauley-Stein touched him, frankly. Uh, but they said he got him in the in the face. I, I, it was definitely inadvertent. Obviously, it was man was driving for a layup. Kali Stein tried to block the shot, and I guess on the follow through, his bicep caught man in the forehead. That's what Kane Fitzgerald was saying. Um, you know, I was at the arena, so obviously limited uh, replay angles and stuff compared to what you see on TV. So maybe he really did hit him. Definitely wasn't intentional. Definitely shouldn't have been a flagrant, but it was called a flagrant. It is what it is. And then later. Um, Whenever Willie Collistein was going for an offensive rebound, 
Man shoved Kalistein in the chest, and they got right in Kalistein's face. Kalistein went the other way, kind of pushed off Man, got him up high, pushed him in the face. And Man just about act like he got, um, you know, waylaid by a by a Boban wind up and follow through on a Willie Kalistein light push off, crumbled to the ground, got up and started screaming, racing back down the floor, and actually like stopped the game. The officials did not see what happened, but they stopped the game because Terrence Mann was causing such a scene getting back into the play. And so uh, his antics did not lead to a technical foul on Terrence Mann, just on Cauley Stein. So Mann earned a flagrant on Cauley Stein, which is two shots and the ball, and also a tech on Cauley Stein. Pat Bev came in the game, junked it up, got in Luka's face, drew a, a, a double tech on both he and Luka. Uh, Rajon Rondo... Uh, obviously, you know, is going to get in your face on defense. You know, he's not going to take cheap shots or flop all over the place like Terrence Mann will, but uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to get under your skin a little bit. And so that's kind of what the Clippers did. Uh, you know, and, and that adds up. You know, a flagrant is two possessions and the ball. A tech is a free throw. You know, that's a lot of points that are preventable. Uh, obviously, you know, Mann did as much as he could to to make those happen. But, you know, the Mavs have got to be – They've got to be smart about that now. You know, the Clippers are going to play feisty. They're going to play small. Whenever you're small, you play scrappy. You're going to, you know, you're going to do those sorts of things. Um, you know, Luca fell for a Paul George pump fake with 0.2 seconds left on the shot clock. Whenever George is about 30 feet away from the rim, that led to three free throws. Uh, in the fourth quarter, Maxi Kleba fell for a Kawhi Leonard pump fake, and that led to two free throws. So it's a lot of, like, preventable stuff, correctable things on, on those small issues, but kind of the excuse me again um it was very loud in the building and I'm not much of a talker but you know I had to talk very loud to my coworkers tonight so my throat is a little scratchy so uh losing my voice we'll see what I sound like tomorrow I'm gonna take a drink of water real quick live on Mavs Daily ah uh, that's the good stuff that is the good stuff so anyway, kind of like the, the the larger issue at hand, I guess, if you're Dallas trying to make adjustments going into game four is, you know, if it's going to be Rondo or Mann, I, I suspect it'll be one of them, but it could be Nick Batum. But if you start Batum, then you don't have any wings off the bench. Like if, if Nick Batum starts the game, the Clippers bench is Zubats, Rondo, Mann, Beverly. That's it. And then like Amir Coffey, Yogi Ferrell, again, like guards. So I think Batum has to come off the bench because you got to bring in someone to spell Kawhi and Morris and George. Uh, so I, I think it'll be Terrence Mann starting, maybe Rondo. But either way, that's super-duper ultra-small. And the Clippers are going to space the floor, and they're going to use Rondo again as either the screener or as like kind of the, the safety valve sort of outlet guy in case Kawhi gets double-teamed. So that's a lot of playmaking and a lot of speed. Now the Mavs play big. they got Luka at point guard. Tim Hardaway is their smallest starter. He's like 6'5", 6'6". Doran Finney-Smith, 6'8". He's guarding, he's guarding Paul George, obviously. KP out there, 7'3". He's your center. And then you got Maxi Klebo, 6'10", guarding Kawhi. But in, if if that's going to happen, if, if it's going to be Klebo on Kawhi and Dorian on Paul George, that means that KP is going to be defending Terrence Mann or Rondo or Marcus Morris, or Nick Batum, you know, those are wings, they have the speed advantage, and uh, if KP's going to be in space, because you're double teaming, you're hedging, or whatever on Kawhi, giving a lot of attention, sort of tilting the floor toward those two guys, 
then you're putting KP in a position where he's got to cover a lot of ground, closing out on guys and forcing the drives, and that's a pretty unfavorable situation for Dallas. And um, you know that kind of that sort of resulted in those corner threes in the fourth quarter. You know, KP trying to close out on a shooter, and then they were able to drive past him or swing to the other side or whatever, and then find that corner spot as guys are rotating. So Dallas will have to clean that up a little bit, but I think the question is like if the Clippers are going to commit to playing like three or four six footers at all times for the rest of this series, how big can Dallas play? You know, does Maxi continue to start, uh, or do you go to like Jalen Brunson or Josh Richardson? But if you do that, then who's guarding Kawhi? Uh, you know, you would presume Dorian Finney-Smith, but then who's guarding Paul George? Is going to be Tim Hardaway. Uh, if so, you know, can Hardaway defend George for 30, 40 minutes and then also produce on the offensive end? You know, it's going to be tough. It's it's going to be tough. You know, do you, do you give more minutes to Josh Richardson? Do you start Josh Richardson? Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky proposition. You know, it's really interesting. This kind of speaks to, like, the larger evolution of basketball in general is, like, the Clippers, when push comes to shove, their back is against the wall. They went with, like, Nick Batum at center. Marcus Morris at center. Center! Nick Batum played small forward. Nick Batum played shooting guard in Portland. Like, the NBA is changing uh, very, 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 very quickly. And and so I just don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, KP is the unicorn. KP is like a, you know, he's an incredible player. Maxi Kleba, incredible defender, great shooter. But, like, if the Clippers are playing a bunch of point guards, like, can those guys be on the floor at the same time? It's just a really interesting question to ask. And so I'm curious to see, you know, if Dallas makes a lineup adjustment or if they if they keep going with this. You know, because, again, if you're, if you're an optimist, and even just, like, this is kind of realistic, like, do you expect Finney Smith, Porzingis, Hardaway to combine to go 10 for 34 again? Like, that's probably not going to happen. Do you expect the Clippers to shoot 58% from the floor again? Like, that's probably not going to happen. I feel like Dallas can work some of this out on the practice court, watching some film, things like that. But we'll see. You know, you got to adjust. You got to make some adjustments. The Clippers found some answers. Um, you know, kudos to them. Ty Lue, I thought, had a great game. You know, every everybody is, like, dunking on him as if he's a terrible coach or something. But he did a great job tonight. And, uh, you know, uh, put a great game plan together, made some good adjustments when things started getting out of hand early. And then Paul George was fantastic. Kawhi Leonard was fantastic. And then the other guys got going. And, again, that's kind of your nightmare scenario. You can let Kawhi and Paul George cook. But once Marcus Morris gets going, Reggie Jackson, you know, if Rondo is starting to make things happen, then that's when things get dicey. And so Dallas will have to uh, go back to the drawing board a little bit and try and make some adjustments. And, um, yeah, you know, we'll see. Before I get out of here, I want to say Luka Doncic, holy cow. Dude had 44 points. That's a new playoff career high. Nine assists, nine rebounds. He hit seven threes. Seven threes in 13 attempts. He was just outrageous. Um, seven of 13 from the free throw line, though, that's that's 53.8%. That's not great. <laughs> you would like to see a little better than that for sure. Um but, you know, man, 44 points, 9 assists, 9 rebounds. That's just an insane. You know, the Clippers basically, 
and this is important too. In a game Dallas lost by ten, he was a plus three. But um, you know, the Clippers dared him to score all night, and he did. But you know, when when that's the case, when they just basically let Luca ISO all game long, it makes it tough, you know, to 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 run stuff to get Tim open, to get Porzingis open, to get Finney Smith open because they're just hugging the shooters. They're staying home on the shooters. They're letting Luca get his. And so Dallas is going to have to try and find some wrinkles, incorporate some wrinkles to get those guys some good looks because, you know, Luca's incredible, but you don't want him to have to score 50 for you to win. You know, you want other guys to be able to chip in. And so, uh, you know, you got to find ways to get those guys some looks as well. And, um, you know, I'm sure they will. Rick Carlisle is a – this is – he's like born to coach in the playoffs. This is This is what he's all about. So – uh, we'll see what Dallas can do in game four. That is going to be on Sunday. Another late start, another 8.30 p.m. start. Uh, I guess sleep is just optional at this point. Um, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking for a bounce-back game from Hardaway, a bounce-back game from Porzingis. Uh, defensively, you know, Dallas has to to do a better job of keeping the Clippers out of the paint, closing out on shooters. Um you know, figuring out how to how to knock Kawhi or Paul George off their rhythm. You know, one of them. Um, but we'll see what happens. I'm I'm looking forward to it. If the, the series is never going to be easy, <laughs> the series was, you know, it wasn't going to be a sweep. It was not going to be a sweep. If if it was, then it was going to be a, a miracle. But I mean, the Clippers are really really good. It was a matter of time before they just went full cyborg and and, and won a game. So we'll see how Dallas can respond. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, we'll be back with you after game four. We'll see if I have a guest or not. I hope so because my voice can only take so much more torture for the next couple weeks. But, uh, but yeah, win or lose, we will be back with you again after game four on Sunday with another episode of Mavs Daily. See you then.